Welcome to Journey Church Podcast. It's great to have you with us. Here at Journey, we believe that Jesus should be accessible to anyone. So whether you're at home, work, or somewhere in between, you can have access to the weekend's worship experience. If you want to further connect with us, you can find us online at journeyorl.com or any social media platform using at journeyorl. We hope you enjoy the message. The next four weeks, we're in a brand new sermon series, man, and we just left one of the funnest sermon series. How many people were blessed by At The Movies? And what a blast. Um, somebody said we should do five weeks um, next, next year. I'm like, wow, y'all really like movies. Uh, and so maybe we'll do that. Um, but this series, and I, I, if you've known me for a long time, my friends will tell you, and I'll admit it, I, I can be a bit of an exaggerator sometimes. I don't know why um, God's working with me on it. But I really prayed about what I'm about to say because I didn't want it to be an exaggeration. I wanted to be like dead honest when I said it. And I mean it. I'm dead honest. I believe that the next four weeks, are gonna, I'm gonna be, we're going to be preaching. I'm going to be preaching the most important series I will preach all year. I honestly believe that. And the reason why I believe that is because we're going to be talking about the church. And the title of the sermon series is The Kind of Church. Now, bear with me because I understand that you walked into church today with a lot of weight. A lot of things are on your shoulders. It's heavy. And I'm teaching a preaching class right now, a small group in the summer, and I tell them that the first two answers that you have to answer, first two questions you've got to answer when you're a preacher is what's the problem and why is that problem my problem? And the moment I said I'm going to preach the most important series and it's about the church, a lot of people just checked out because I don't need to know about the church. I need to know how I'm going to pay this bill. I don't need to know about the church. I need to know how I'm going to, um, you know, recover from this divorce. I don't need to know about church. I need a man. I get it. Um, I, I, know, I know where you're at, um, but, but let me, just give me a moment. Just give me a moment. Give me, give me like seven minutes to convince you that, that this, this is going to change your life and this is important and, uh, and that the local church is important. And so, and after these seven minutes, you disagree, then you're free to disconnect. But if I can convince you, I really think this is going to bless your life. So I'm going to open with, with this statement, and it's probably one of the most controversial statements you'll hear, um, but it's so true. And here is this statement, and you'll either hate me or love me for it, but I believe it. The local church should be the love of your life, number one. Now, I know this is controversial. That's why I didn't get not one amen. Somebody said, mm, but that was as good as it got. <laughs> I get it. I get it. I get it. I get it. I, I, I ran this by Liz earlier this, this morning, last night. I said, babe, I'm going to say something that's a little bit controversial, and I, I need you to hear me say it uh, because I don't want to, I, I want to be sure it doesn't come off the wrong way. And uh, she said, shoot. I said, the local church should be the love of your life. She said, wrong. <laughs> She said, Jesus should be the love of your life, santo. That's what she said. <laughs> santo means holy, for those who don't speak Spanish. Liz only speaks Spanish when she's yelling at me or <laughs> cursing me out. You know she struggles. Um, <laughs> I said, babe, you're right. Jesus should be the love of our life. But the Bible says, <laughs> Ephesians chapter 5, verse 23, watch this. Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. I say, so see, babe, the reason why the local church is the love of my life is because Jesus is the love of my life. And you can't separate your love from Jesus from your love from the local church. You can't do it. He's the head 
and she's the body. That's how it works. Now, we're living in a day and age where people are identifying as more spiritual but less religious. And by religious, they mean church attendance. So church attendance is at an all-time low. You wouldn't know that by being at Journey. We've seen astronomical growth. But nationwide, you would see church attendance. Praise God for that. You would see church attendance at an all-time low, yet spirituality at an all-time high. People are taking these surveys and they're saying, I love God. I just can't stand church. To, 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 to that, I, I respond like, how could you even say that? That's like saying, that's like saying, like you meet a girl, you meet a guy, and you're like, I just want you to know I love your personality. I love how funny you are. I love how smart you are. I love how you listen. I love how you speak. I just can't stand your body. <laughs> like, I'm just telling you, you're, all up here is good. But you know, you ugly. Like I, love, like, I love the personality. Like, I love everything on the inside. I just don't like the physical representation of everything on the inside. You can't separate the two. This is his body, y'all. You can't love him but not love his body. And I get it. Maybe you've been hurt. Maybe you've been scarred because the church did you wrong when you were younger. Listen, we never said the church was perfect, but she's present. She's here. And I know it. I've been there. She, she's got some, some acne. <laughs> she's got, she walks with a limp, you know. The church's, the, the, the church's pinky toe is bigger than its big toe sometimes. And, and the church has got one arm that's shorter than the, it's not perfect. But can I be honest? She saved me. This is when my life turned around. This is where everything got on track. This is where I met the Lord. This is where I met, where I met my wife. This is where everything was built. It was the church. And so she's not perfect, but she's my savior. And you can't love one without the other. Other reason why this matters and why church matters. Hello, you are the church. <laughs> Ephesians 5.30 says and we're members of that body. If you don't like the church, you don't like you. <laughs> Let me get that fruit real quick, that, that mandarin. I had to Google what this was. I didn't know if it was an orange or a tangerine or a tangelo. It's a mandarin. It's a mandarin. It's a QT mandarin, <laughs> okay? And here's, what, here's why I bring this up, because everybody wants this, okay? Just fill in the blank with whatever this is. Uh, your blessing, your breakthrough, you know, the baby, the husband, the, the business. Everybody wants fruit, right? This is what you want. This is what you are. You're the branch. You're the branch trying to produce the fruit. This is what you want. This is what you are, but this is what you need. See, baby, this is what you need, baby. Mm -hmm. <laughs> what you need is to get connected to a trunk, you need a vine in your life. And there are some people in church today, you're not experiencing what you want to experience, not because you want the wrong thing, but because you're not connected to the right thing. Here's what the Bible says in John chapter 15, verse 4. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. And you know what's crazy? If I want to produce fruit, what do I water? But a lot of us won't do that. We want to produce fruit, and what we'll do is we'll water us. Well, I need rest, and I can't come to church because I need, I need to take a break. And we're watering the branch trying to produce fruit. Or God will produce fruit in our life, and we fall in love with the fruit and not the one who produced the fruit. So we're watering the orange. Talking about, I think this is how you get more. But how many people know it isn't until you water the roots? It isn't until you water the vine. When you pour your life into the local church, guess what happens? The Holy Spirit gets poured right back into you, and you begin to produce with God what you could not produce apart from him. By the way, just a side note, me venting. Do you know who, who you're criticizing when you criticize the church? You. That's like people talking about their family. I can't stand it when people say, I can't stand my family. My family's crazy. But y'all got the last name. Y'all got the same last name. 
You're talking about yourself. <laughs> Don't be a part of the problem. Be a part of the solution. Number three, why this is important and why this matters is because of all that people give to build the church. Rick Perez, where you at, man? I know I called you out earlier. Roll up here. Hustle. Quick. Hop. Bam. Bingo, bingo. Bam, bam. Gang, gang. All right. Running. Guys don't know Rick. Rick Perez. He's the man. Rick, how long have you been coming to this church? Three years. Three years. That's from the beginning is what he's trying to <laughs> Since y'all started. All right. And uh, he works on our dream team here. And what do you do on our dream team? Uh, whatever you need me to do. <laughs> That's funny. But for real, though, what do you do? Lights. Lights. All right, lights. All right, cool. <laughs> lights. And, um, and people don't know, man, what time did you get here today? Uh, 7 o'clock. 7 a.m. That's when your alarm went off. Some of y'all. Some are like, nah, my alarm went off at what time service started? 11 team? 1045. Uh, and he came here and he started working on these lights. And, uh, and how long did it take you to, to, to program the lights last week? About eight hours. Did you do that during the week? And you don't get paid for this. Why do you do this? Jesus. <laughs> I love Jesus. And loving the church is the way we love Jesus. It's one of the ways that we do it. And I just want to say thank you to Rick because this church is built not on me and not on a worship team, but it's built on the backs of people like Rick and all of our journey team, dream kids, and all of our journey youth leaders, and all of our hospitality and our parking team and our setup team. Thank you so much, Rick. I wanted to bring Rick up because I wanted to show you. I don't want to just brag on him even though he's worth bragging about. I wanted to show you. When I was in business class, my first question to the business leader was, how do you know how much to sell a product for? She said, a product is worth whatever people are willing to pay for it. Look around at all the people who are paying to build this church with their time, talents, and treasures. I'm not even just talking about the dream team. I'm just talking about people who give the first 10% of their income to build this thing. The people who are on the legacy team, giving above and beyond their ties, are small group leaders. Where are my small group leaders at? Give it up for the small group leaders. Giving their weekday time to pour in the lives of people is valuable because it's valuable because of all the sacrifice. And not just all that people give to build the church. This is valuable because of all that Jesus gave to build the church. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25, Christ loved the church. And look at this. He loved it so much, he gave up his life for her. I, I joke about it, but it's true. You know, Jesus was a carpenter. A carpenter, he built stuff. And none of the stuff that he built has lasted. Like at one point, there was a Jesus chair. Fell apart. At one point, there was a Jesus table. Fell apart. At one point, there was a Jesus closet. Fell apart. There's only one thing that Jesus has built that has lasted the test of time 2,000 years from now and 2,000 years since then, and it is the local church. Jesus built it, and it's still around, and it's still going strong. And do you know how much has faded since then and the local church has endured? Empires, gone. Governments, gone. Philosophies, gone. Businesses, gone. Spice Girls, gone. We thought they'd last forever. Tell me what you want, what you really, really want. For you to be here forever. Too bad. Here part. Gone. But the church has lasted. He gave up his life for it. And here's why I believe Jesus gave up his life for it. My, my, my final reason why this is important. Because a local church is the hope of the world. Well, I believe this with all of my heart. Listen, I am not disengaged politically. I am a fan of politics. and I almost feel ashamed saying that, but I do. I enjoy it. Actually, my undergrad at UF Go Gators was political science. I studied politics. It's, it's what I was into. I listened to CNN and I listened to Fox. I, I, I try and become informed and I try to make a decision. And next year, I will vote. But I know that when I vote, I am voting for a president and not a savior. 
because the person I vote is not going to change the world, but somebody did already 2,000 years ago. The local church is the hope of the world. Oh, slavery, you didn't like that? Yeah, abolitionists, John Newton, Amazing Grace, William Wilberforce. These were ministers, pastors, civil rights. Oh, you're all about that? Well, let me tell you about Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. It was the local church that stood up against injustice. It's this church that's building wells in Ethiopia so the kids can have access to water. It's this church that's building education centers in Africa so that students can grow up and receive an education. It's this church that's raising up money to help rescue women from sex trafficking, partnering with an organization that started in a local church. Don't tell me. The local church is what will change the world. UF, I'm thankful for you, but stop sending me the alumni sponsorship letters. Y'all good. Tuition going to cover that. You know what I'm saying? I want to pour my life into this thing right here because I want to see the world get turned flip upside down. And I believe that Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit are the only ones who can do it. And so if this is your first time here, you might be thinking, well, you know, this really isn't the sermon series for me. Or maybe I shouldn't have invited a friend because we're going to be talking about the church. And it sounds like a lot you're using the word we because that's what this series is about. we got to talk about the kind of church. If we're going to give up that much, what is the kind of church that we want to build? What is the kind of church that you need in your life? What is the kind of church that your friends and family need? What is the kind of church that Jesus died to build? And if you're a first-time guest, if you brought somebody for the first time, you're probably thinking, well, that sounds like a lot of we and I'm still me. I'm not really in the we phase yet. I'm still in the me phase. And give me some time. I just, if you're a first-time guest, I don't know that there's a better time to visit. Because for the next four weeks, you're going to hear who we are. Just consider the next four weeks like, like our dating profile <laughs> to you. And hopefully in four weeks, you know, you'll swipe right. Like, and, you, and you'll pick us. And we'll be able to do this with you. And maybe you've been coming to the church for a long time. You know what these four weeks are going to be? It's going to be a challenge for you. Why? Because I'm going to talk about some things. You're going to look at it and you're honestly going to say, that's not me, but I want it to be me. You don't have to leave. We're not all there, but this is who we are. And here's what's going to force you to do. This is where the challenge comes in. It's going to challenge you to change. Why? Because we want to be a church. We want to be the kind of church that looks different on the outside, but looks the same on the inside. We want to be the kind of church that looks different on the outside, but looks the same on the inside. We want black people sitting next to brown people, sitting next to white people. We want the whole Roy G. Biv, just spectrum, all up in there. We want rich people sitting next to poor people. We want people who receive their education Ivy League sitting next to people who receive their education YouTube, okay? We want people who order their groceries through shipped, right, to their door, sitting next to the people who order their groceries through EBT, okay? We need people who were born in the 60s, 80s, 90s, 2000s. We need people who still know what VCRs are in this church. And we need people who know what DMs are. You know what I'm saying? We need people on Facebook and Snapchat. Like, we need the whole thing. I love it that, that we're, and, and, and we need people from different cultures who carry the same culture. Who carry the same culture. And what we have in common is not our what, not our where or our when, but our way. Our, our way is what we carry our way. Never underestimate the power of a way. I remember when we first started Journey Church, we didn't even have services yet. We were still doing launch team meetings and startup parties and all these stuff. And, and one girl told me who came to our church, still comes, she said, craziest thing happened. I went into Starbucks. I don't know if this is true or not, but I believe it because it's a cool story. She said, I went into Starbucks and, and I went to Starbucks and the lady behind the counter, she looked at me and she said, um, she said, do, do, excuse me, I'm sorry, but do you go to Journey? She said, yeah, I do. And she said, oh, it's just that 
you look like somebody who would go to journey. And she didn't know how to receive that because at that point, our church was like 95% Hispanic. So she was like, what you trying to say, mija? You know, like, you know, she said, no, no, no. It's just that, look, it, she, said, it's just the, she said this, she said, it's just the way you smile. So I met a couple of people who go to your church already and y'all smile the same way. It's got this way. Love it. It's just, it's got, you got a way about you. Listen, never, under, never underestimate how the way you live can change your life. I'll tell you what. That's what happened to Daniel. Daniel was serving in the court of King Darius, who was the, the, uh, the emperor of Persia at the time. And this is the story, verse 1 through 3. It pleased Darius to appoint 120 satraps to rule throughout the kingdom with three administrators over them, one of whom was Daniel. So Daniel's got 120 people on his same level until they recognize that they ain't on the same level. The satraps were made accountable to them so that the king might not suffer loss. Now Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Are you catching this? Darius realized and was blown away by the way Daniel lived his life. He was blown away by the way he spoke to his kids, the way he tipped the waitress, the way he organized his fridge, the way he kept the lawn trim, the way he smiled, the way he said good morning, the way he shook a hand, the way he hugged you, the way he worshiped, the way he praised, the way he saved money, the way he avoided debt, and the way he lived his life blew Darius so off his throne that he said, well, if you're going to live like that, then I'm just going to give you the whole kingdom. You know that some of you guys think the problem is a what, a who, a where, and a when, but it's actually a way. I, I remember my first promotion ever. It was working at a shoe carnival. You guys know this store, shoe carnival? It's my first and only job in retail. God help me, I will never be in retail ever again. And, and I, when I first started, they put me in the worst section. Not the kids, not the sports, not the athletics, women. I love y'all, but you're nasty, okay? These women would try on shoes if it didn't fit, wah, try on another one. Wah. I'll tell you, I'm scarred. I'm, I never see retail the same way again. If you work in retail, tell me it's not true. You go into a store now, somebody puts something back where it's not supposed to. You're like, uh, excuse me, do you work here? No, I didn't think so. Put that back where you found it. That's somebody's job you just added time to. Well, my retail people say amen. You know what it's like. I'll never see retail the same way. And I remember when I first got, I got a promotion. I got promoted to floor supervisor. I had been working there two months. Everybody was hating on me. One guy came up to me and said, oh, you got that promotion because, because of your wear. Because you and the, and the owner, you and the manager, I both come from New York. I'm like, first off, if you knew anybody from New York, you'd know we don't like each other. <laughs> a. B, you're lazy. <laughs> okay. No, because my dad just told me, if you're going to do something, you do with everything you got. So when I would put the boxes away, I wouldn't just put the boxes away. I would, like, make sure that they're all, like, at the same, like, there wasn't one box coming out a little. <laughs> I would just flat it. <laughs> okay, good. I just gave it, I gave him my all, and I was promoted, not because of my what, not because of my where or my when. I had been working less than anyone. I had been promoted because of my way. Listen, what if what's holding you back from the promotion isn't the boss, it's your way? What if your problem's not your wife, it's your way? What if it's the way you talk? Why you're not getting any opportunities? What if it's the way you work? 
the reason why you're not growing in your business? What if it's the way you, you, talk, you, 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 you hang out with people, the way you walk, the, the way you, you help others? What if it's your way? Unless you figure out, unless you fix your way, your what will never change. This way at Journey Church, we have a thing for it. Listen, by the way, I think that the church's biggest critics, and by church I mean capital C, because we don't have a ton of critics, local church, but, but capital C church, I think the church's biggest critics, they don't have any problem with our who or our what. I don't think they have a problem with what the church is saying. We're saying love God, love people. How could you be mad at that? I think they're mad at the way we say it. And if we would just change our way. At Journey Church, we have a way. We call it our culture. We also call it our core values. I'm going to give them to you, and then I'm going to have you repeat them after me so that we can say them. So first, it's four. You can write these down. Every week we're going to spend on it. So I'm asking you to spend the rest of the sermon just on, on the first one. But I had to lay a syllabus. I had to convince you that this is worth it, that building a church is worth it, and building the right church, the kind of church Jesus would want, is worth giving your life to, and it's going to change your life. You're going to produce that fruit. So I had to spend that time. But now I'm going to get into exactly who we are as a church. And so there's four things, four core values. Number one, we love God, and the way we love God is unique. Number two, we love people, and the way we love people is special. Number three, we pursue excellence, and the way we pursue excellence is unique. And number four, we choose joy. So I'm going to have you repeat after me, uh, after three, not on three, after three. A lot of people say one, two, three. That's not on three. That's after three, okay? <laughs> Just blew somebody's mind right there. All right. So after three, we're going to say we love God. We love people. Okay, first service, bomb this, all right? But I believe in you. You guys have had more sleep than the 915. So I believe in you. After three, all right, we're going to say we love God. We love people. We pursue actions. We choose joy. One, two, three. We love God. We love people. We pursue excellence. We choose joy. That's the kind of church Journey Church is. That's us. That's who we are. That's who we are. And today I want to preach a message in the remaining 13 minutes. God help me. Um, we're the kind of church that loves God. The kind of church that loves God. And it's the most important one because Jesus said it was the most important one. Mark chapter 12, verse 29. Look what he said. It's the most important one. I didn't make that up. That's a Bible verse. The Pharisees were some religious people went up to him and they said, Jesus, what's the most important commandment? There were 700 of them. He had to narrow down to one commandment out of 700. He said, the most important commandment, I'll give it to you. Love God. Watch. The most important one, answer Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Next verse. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Now, I got a problem with this verse, if I can be honest and transparent as a pastor. I don't have a problem with Jesus. I love Jesus. I just don't like what he said. Just being real. I don't, it's not wrong. I just got Because you know what he's saying? He's saying love is a command. And I don't know about you, but I don't like commands. It might be because when I grew up, I had a parent who didn't like explaining things to me. And so whenever I, I needed some answers, I said, why do we have to do this? And they said, because I, oh, we got the same parents. I didn't know we had the same parents. And then when, when, when the pay was, when, when it was above their pay grade and they couldn't, they couldn't stand on their own authority, they would say, because I grew up in church, they would say, because the Bible says so. Mom, why do we got to go to church, Mom? Because the Bible says so. I'll be at Toys R Us. Mom, I want this toy. Mom, can you buy this for me? No, sorry, JJ. We don't have any money for that. Oh, but you have money for the offering paid last week. Don't think I didn't see it. Don't think I didn't see that. Oh, so you love Jesus more than you love JJ? Is that how it is? Why are you giving, Mom? Why are you giving, Mom? Why are you giving God 10% of your income when that could be my toys? Because the Bible says so. 
Now let me tell you something. She was right. That's not wrong. But it was the wrong answer. Let me explain it to you another way. Imagine that Liz and I are about to celebrate our anniversary. And I go and I knock on the door. And I, and I knock on the door. Doo, doo, doo. She opens up the door. And I got 50 roses to celebrate with her. Actually, that's not true. She wouldn't do roses because she hates flowers. Uh, ladies, are you a flower girl or chocolate girl? Raise your hand if you're flowers. You like flowers? You like flowers? Okay. Raise your hand if you don't like flowers. If you're a woman, you don't like flowers. This is Liz's. Liz is like, give me chocolate. I don't like flowers. I'm like, why you don't like flowers? She's like, because the flowers aren't going to last long. I'm like, they're going to last a lot longer than that chocolate. I'll tell you right now. They're going to last a lot longer than that chocolate. I know you, girl. So let's just say I showed up at the door with $100 worth of the world's best chocolate. And she's like, oh, my gosh, baby, that's amazing. Why did you, why did you get me this chocolate? You, why did you do this? Could you imagine if my answer was, because the Bible says so. How many people know I did the right thing, but that was the wrong answer? <laughs> What's the right answer? Because I love you. How could I not get you chocolate, girl? You bad. I think about you in the morning. I think about you in the afternoon. I think about you in the evening. I bought eight boxes of chocolate, one for the next eight years. I'm just thinking about you because I love you. Are you ready? It's the same way with God. He doesn't want us to do anything because we have to. He doesn't want us to pray because we have to. He doesn't want us to, to worship because the Bible says so. He wants the motivation of our heart to be because we love him. And I want to be the kind of church that is excited. I was glad when they said unto me, come into the house of the Lord. Because we understand just how much God loves us and how much we love God. I mean, I, I want to see happy faces here in the morning. People pumped to be here. Like, I don't want anybody to walk up into church. Bill, how's it going, Bill? Good, Dan's going well. <laughs> hey, Bill, you ready to worship? Well, I guess so, Dan. <laughs> I mean, if we don't, he'll kill us. So, <laughs> you know, you know, God, he don't play. It's been raining a lot. If I don't show up here, it's going to be the next flood. We're all going out, you know. God's like, what are you, what are you talking about? You know, you know what happens when, 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 we, when we get it twisted? It becomes a burden. Obedience becomes a burden. Church becomes a burden. Prayer becomes a burden if you try to love God with your strength before you love him with your heart. Can we go back to the verse in Mark chapter, Mark chapter 12, verse 29 30? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. What comes first? What comes last? Yet we're trying to love him out of our strength when we haven't fully been filled in our heart. And when you try and do anything out of your strength, you know what happens? You get tired and exhausted. Are you ready for the challenging word I promised was coming? If church is tiring and exhausting, that's your problem. That's not the church's problem. That's something going on in your heart. Because when you love... <laughs> When we, when, we first, when we first started dating, I knew I loved Liz way before she knew she loved me. And it was, it was, I had to hold it in because I didn't want to be that guy. So I was like, I'm like, yeah, it's cool, it's cool, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And inside I'm like, oh, that. So, so I remember one time we were at a youth convention and she was sitting in the row in front of me because we were like super Christian. So like we didn't even sit in the same row. And so, you know, you know, we would live above rebuke, you know, so above reproach and rebuke. And so I overheard her one time say, man, I could really use some orange juice right now. Worship team, hold on. I'll call you out a little bit. She said, he said, I could really use some orange juice right now. In the back row, we were at the Marriott with the Twin Towers. You know the one I'm talking about? 
that's big. Is that a Marriott or is that a Hilton or is that Ramada or a, that's Western? <laughs> double tree, the double tree. We were at that one with the two towers. And, 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 and she said she wanted orange juice. And I remembered that the deli was open, but it was open on the other tower. Y'all, it was like a 15-minute jog. You know what I did? As soon as I heard she wanted orange juice, I took that jog. And I, and I ran, and I bought that orange juice, and I came back. It was the first song when I left. It was the altar call when I came back. By the time I came back, she was sitting right in front of me, and, 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 I, and I tapped her on the shoulder. I said, hey, girl. By that time, she's not even thirsty anymore. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, got you some orange juice. And can I tell you about that jog? It was a joy. Because all I could think about was the look on her face when I brought it. Yeah, but do you know the look on God's face when you bring his worship? When you bring him praise? When you bring him time? When you bring him attention? I know it's a lot to get up in the morning. I know it's a lot to get the kids dressed. And I, and I know you had a hard week. But don't think about the sweat. Don't think about it. Think about the look on his face when even though all that was going on, you did it anyway because you love him, because he saved you, because he died on a cross for you. It's the love that changes you. Someone says, I want to love God like that. JJ, how do I love God like that? Because I don't feel like I do. How do I love God like that? You see, 1 John. 1 John says this, chapter 4. We love because he first loved us. You want to love like that? Here's how you do it. Really understand just how much he loves you. Because you don't understand it. You, you think you do because you heard the story, but you don't. Can we go back to Mark 12 real quick? Mark 12, Mark 12. Look what it says. <clears throat> love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. What comes right before strength? I was in my 30s. That's not right. I'm in my 30s. Technically, I was and still am. And I prayed to the Lord recently. I said, God, why am I just now starting to get over things that I've been wrestling with since my teenage years? And here's what he told me. Because my question is, why isn't my strength changing? Why isn't the outworking of my relationship with God evident? Why am I, because that's what the strength metaphor means. It means like your, your habits, your behaviors. Why isn't that changing? And this is what the Holy Spirit ministered to me. He said, because it took this long for you to understand just how much I love you. Because what transforms us is not effort and discipline. What transforms us is the love of God. And when you understand how much he loves you, all of a sudden, you're like, I got to live this way. I, I got to do this. I got to get this. And, I, and more than that, I want to. And you got to understand it before you can strengthen it. Love, love, love is the difference between charity and chore. Love is the difference between charity and chore. Between wanting to give and having to work. Love is what will change you from the inside out. It's what will change you, man. All the way. Because what happens is, once, because here's how it works. Because once you start to love him, not even, I can't say that because somebody's going to get stabbed because they don't feel like they love him. Once you start to understand how much he loves you, guess what you're going to want to do? Spend time with him. And guess what happens when you spend time with somebody? You start to look like them. Did you know that? Yeah, you start to change like them. Yeah, you become like them. You guys, you guys, ever, seen, you guys, you guys ever seen dogs that look like their owners? <laughs> You've seen this? Man, I want to introduce you to four of them real quick. All right, this is Henry and Hope. <laughs> Henry and Hope. 
This is uh, Jessica and Buddy. <laughs> this is Benji and Harper. <laughs> He's a cutie. He's a cutie. He's a cutie. And then the last one is my favorite because he's a pastor. Um, this is Reverend Francois and Antoine. <laughs> now, hey, scientists have not been able to crack this mystery. We don't know why it is, but it is. The more you spend time with someone, the more you begin to look like that person. I said it this way, love is the root, transformation is the fruit. The more I spend time with Jesus, worship team, you can come on out. The more I spend time with Jesus, the more I begin to look like Jesus. And the things that I've been wanting to change in my life begin to change. Not because I was trying, but because he, 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 he changed me. He changed me. This is the kind of church I want to be like. I want to be the kind of church that when people see us, they, they just say there's something about our way. Something about our way. Acts chapter 4 verse 13. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men. Let me give you some context. Peter and John, are, they're just normal, ordinary people. But something's happening when they're speaking. They just asked this crippled guy to stand up and he... And he stood up on his feet, silver or gold I have not, but what I have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up, pick up your mat and walk. And these people are blown away because they're ordinary men. Do you know what the word ordinary means in the Greek? Before you show it, this is the Greek word for the word ordinary. Are you ready? Here it is. You pronounce it. I ain't going to pronounce it. On three, what's your best shot? One, two, three. All the Spanish people are like, idiote. <laughs> so Spanish. Guys, this is where we get the word idiots from. The, the world is blown away. They're like, I don't understand. They're a bunch of idiots. How is it? It's not their intellect. It's not their diplomas or their discourse. It's not their eloquence or their power. something about the way. It's, there should be nothing spectacular about them. But they're, do you want to see the end of the verse? Show them the end of verse 14, verse 13. But they were astonished because they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Are you catching this? They're a bunch, of, don't be offended. But I want a church full of idiots. Here's what I mean by that, before you get offended. I want a church that doesn't stand out for their accomplishments or achievements. A church that doesn't stand out because they're the best singers. And we've got some of the best. You guys are amazing. Jason, you're amazing. Lauren, you're amazing. But I don't want that to be the thing that separates us. I don't want us to be separated for the style of our preaching or the contemporary nature that we attend church or, you know, the light. I want to be a church that stands out because the people who encounter us say to themselves, there's nothing necessarily, but I can just tell they've been with Jesus. And I want what they have because I knew who they were. 
and I'm seeing who they are now. Oh, you see, when, when, when you fall in love with Jesus, he transforms you. You won't even recognize who you are anymore. I remember I was one because Liz, people say, yo, I like the way you dress. And I'm like, you know, I talk about this all the time. That's all her. But it's not just dress. Like in all aspects of design, like a straight up Liz. Like even like interior design and housing stuff. Like we were down the street. We were driving the street. The day, and I was like, oh, I love that house. It's so mid-century. <laughs> she's like, she looks at me and she's like, gives me a look. And I look at myself. <laughs> and I'm like, who are you right now? I don't even recognize you anymore. You know, that's what happens when you start spending time with God. The you a year from now is going to be presented with an opportunity. An opportunity we, you would have normally said yes to. It's bad for you. But when the opportunity and the temptation comes this time, this time you say, you know what? No. And on your way of walking away from that temptation, you're going to go to yourself. You're going to go, who are you? I don't even recognize you anymore. Because the old me, the old me don't speak like that. The old me didn't believe like that. The old me didn't pray like that. The old me didn't worship like that. The old me didn't believe like that. The old me didn't have hope like that. The old me didn't worship. The old me didn't jump like that. The old me didn't raise his hands like that. The old me didn't dance like that. The old me didn't fight like that. The old me would have given it to temptation. The old me would have said yes, but there's something about this new me. I don't even recognize him anymore. He loves God. He loves people. He's been changed. He's been transformed. Who are you? Who are you? Mark my words. Receive it as a prophecy over your life. This time next year, you're not even going to recognize the person you see in the mirror. They're going to be so different. They're going to talk so different and walk so different and believe so different and be strong so different and fight so different and call out so different. It's going to be different. And when people ask you how, I just stood connected. I just stood connected and his love did all the cleaning. His love did all the hard work. His love did the transformation. Somebody here today, you've never received the love of God before. You know, you know. You've heard the story. You've heard the gospel. Today is going to be the first time it really lands. Hear me when I tell you this because this is what transforms your life. Are you catching this? God became a human being 2,000 years ago, left heaven and all of eternity, took on flesh, took on the, the, the ability for, for to be tired and sick and hurt, lived a perfect life, and then allowed himself to get nailed to a cross, not to save the world, Johnny, to save you, not to save the world, Bill, to save you. Not to save the world, Josh, to save you. And when it hits you like that, your life changes. So if you're here today and for the first time in your life, you just heard about a God who loves you. Oh, I mean loves you. Crazy, roses, chocolate loves you. If that's you today, when I say three, I want you to raise your right hand all over this building as a signal. I just heard it for the first time. I mean, I knew it was true, but I heard it for the first time, and now I can't help but respond. If we 
every head bowed, every eye closed. All over this room, you need Jesus in your heart. You've got love. You need love. You need love. One, all over this place. Two. Three, right now, raise your right hand if you need Jesus in your life. Let me see that hand. Let me see that hand. Come on, I see that hand. 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 Congratulations, boom. See that hand. See that hand. See that hand. Come on, put your hand down. Church, let's pray this prayer together. Father God, thank you for loving me. Now, I need you to meditate on those two letters right there, M-E, because there's a lot loaded in that term, me, because me means all of me, and he loves you. He loves the me that's you and all of you. So say it again, God, thank you for loving me. I'll receive your love. And I think for the first time in my life, I get it. You love me. Here we go. We're going to say amen after this because this is it. This is it. And I love you too. Amen and amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope you've been blessed and encouraged by this message. We'd love to know how this ministry is touching your life. If you would like to share your testimony or if you have any prayer requests, please email us amen at journeyorl.com where we'll have a team of people ready to celebrate with you and pray with you. Also, if you would like to help support the ministry of Journey Church in a financial way, you can do so by visiting journeyorl.com and choosing the giving option. Or text journeyorl to 77977. We hope you'll join us again soon. Have a great week.